0: Hi, everybody. Uh, thanks for joining me on I Don't Care with Dr. Kevin Stevenson. I'm your host, Dr. Kevin Stevenson. Great to have you on today. Uh, today, I'm joined by Dr. Matthew Resnick. He's the Chief Medical Officer of Embold Health. Embold uh, is a company that develops a proprietary physician ratings engine that's transforming healthcare by measuring what matters, and that's physician quality. Embold partners with large employers and health plans to provide online tools to help employees select physicians who are delivering quality outcomes and results. And Embold also uh, provides physicians with the information that they need to assess and compare their performance, uh, helping them eliminate inappropriate care that exposes patients to higher risk and waste valuable healthcare dollars. And we all know healthcare dollars are at a premium right now. So welcome, Matthew. Appreciate you joining me on I Don't Care. Thanks very much, Kevin. Appreciate you having me. Absolutely. Hey, tell me in my audience a little bit about your background and what led you to InBold. Absolutely. So, you know, Kevin, interestingly, I'm a cancer surgeon.
1: I am, um, you know, uh, am trained as a urologic oncologist. I um, treated prostate and bladder cancer predominantly in my clinical practice um, at an academic medical center, Vanderbilt, before joining InBold. Um, but I'm also a health services researcher and, and have been interested in a long time um, in how physicians behave, how they make decisions with and for patients, particularly in times of discretion. Um, so as you know, most of healthcare delivery doesn't have great quality evidence either supporting what to do or, or refuting what to do. Um, so, so in many cases, whether to do surgery or physical therapy, whether to do an MRI or an X-ray, whether to prescribe a biologic drug or a lower cost kind of conventional alternative, we don't actually have great studies to guide that decision making. And, and for a long time had been interested in the patterns of how doctors make decisions with patients, um, particularly in those cases where we don't know what to do, the guidelines are relatively weak. So I, I, I had a research program that was studying this topic and, and interestingly met met Daniel Stein, who's our our CEO and and founder. He's a primary care doc through a mutual mentor um, in Nashville, who said, hey, you know, you guys are both thinking about the same question, the same problem, but approaching it from very different angles. Um, And and lo and behold, sitting here a handful of years later.
0: Okay, very good. Well, you know, and looking at Embold Health's website, I see two words that just keep jumping out at me, and that's trust and visibility. So Let's talk a little bit about that in, in the context of Embold's goals. Yeah, Kevin, I,
1: um, y- you know, let me, let me kind of frame up what, what our goals are at Imbold. Um, You know, we help regular working Americans, employees find the best doctors, um, you know, the ones that consistently deliver high quality, appropriate care at a reasonable cost. We, we shine a light on those folks, we celebrate their successes, and we really try to make it easy, for regular people who actually have very little literacy, like have very little knowledge of the complexity of our healthcare system to find those docs. And, you know, the way that we do that is fairly sophisticated. We, we use a huge amount of data, apply clinically validated algorithms developed with the health of help of some of the world's leading academics. But the goal is actually to simplify the complexity of all those data elements, right? It's to make the, the data, the complexity of that analysis really approachable to the average person who's just looking for a doctor. So, you know, what I would say is that interestingly, you know, finding a doctor today is really hard, right? Um, It's really hard for a variety of reasons. And, and when folks say, Oh, I found the best doctor. What I usually say is that's probably by accident. Right. Um, And the reason for that is actually twofold. One, you know, knowing what kind of doctor you need to see is really hard. Right. I get phone calls all the time from people saying, Hey, you know, my uncle just got diagnosed with prostate cancer in Cincinnati. Who should I have him see? Right. And and in my mind, I go through this whole decision tree of, well, you know, he needs to see a urologist, but he needs to see someone who specializes in cancer. And he sees to see someone who specializes in prostate cancer. And has he decided that he wants surgery? Does he want to have a thoughtful conversation with someone about management? Because those two people may be different people. Right. You know, Think about what it's like for just the regular truck driver or warehouse worker or hotel worker to try to find the right type of doctor for their problem. And then even if we find the right type of doctor, it's impossible today to understand which of those doctors is actually delivering the care that helps and avoiding the care that actually doesn't, right? And, and our goal essentially is to actually create solutions that help people solve both of those problems.
0: Okay. Well, you know, you, you talked about the, the regular the regular person who who's not well versed in the in the healthcare industry. Hey, I've been doing this for thirty four years, and and you know, I know whenever you know my parents uh, experienced some significant health challenges, I had a lot of questions, and and, and I know the system pretty well. So, you know, so it's, it's, as you said, it's hard for people to find the right physician. So what makes your solution different? Yeah, I think it's a
1: Kevin, that's a great question. I think, you know, there's a reality that, that not all healthcare delivered in this country, you know, aligns with the guidelines that our societies set out as best practice. Right. And, and to date, the is that, that regular folks haven't had access to information about objective performance that providers deliver. And for that reason, there have been two assumptions, right? That are really critically flawed assumptions in our system. One is that all doctors behave the same, right? Like if I have, a, right. if, if, if I have a problem and I go to doc, you know, I go through door a or door B. The recommendation I'm going to get is going to be the same. And we know that that's not true, right? But the second problem, the second assumption is that doctors assume that the care that they deliver is equal to, or better than their peers, right? We live in a funny system where, you know, it takes a very long time to become a doctor. That process is highly feedback intensive right. You know, Hey, you could do this a little better. Hey, you you know, when you present present this way, Hey, you didn't include this on your differential diagnosis. But interestingly, once you get out into the wild, it's kind of a feedback vacuum, right? So, so providers don't know whether their clinical behaviors, their practice patterns are in line with their peers, better than their peers are, are fall short in some ways. And the goal is actually to connect these dots, right? To give members, give regular Americans information, objective information beyond just the reviews that are out there about how their providers perform and then use that same information to deliver feedback to doctors working under the assumption that like we actually want the whole system to improve and get better. Sure.
0: Sure. So, so if I'm, if I'm looking for a physician, you know, and and you're trying to match up the best doctor for me, you know, what, how does that work? Because, you know, like you said, physicians are are all over the map. They're different in every aspect. Well, so are patients. And so what, you know, I might consider a physician to be tremendous and my next door neighbor may think that they're the worst physician in the world. So what kind of questions are you asking? How do you make this information easy for people to utilize?
1: Yeah, absolutely, Kevin. I think You know, the way that we've thought about performance to date is highly subjective, right? Did the, did the physician spend time with me? Did they answer my questions? Were the wait times excessively long? Were their staff friendly when I called with a question? Um, you know, did they get back to me in a timely fashion, right? All of those things are important. Don't get me wrong, but there's this black hole of three questions, right? One are you doing the things that we know to be helpful and avoiding the things that we know not to be helpful Two. when you do the things that we know to be helpful, are you doing them well? And then three, like the totality of the cost that's associated with the care you're delivering. Is it in line with other folks in the community? Right. Are you providing value? Exactly. And, and to us, we sort of call those three dimensions appropriateness of care, effectiveness of care, and total cost of care. Right. And we can, we can sort of parse out each of those. And I think it's probably it'd be helpful to do that. Um, you know, when we talk about appropriateness, what we're actually interested in is understanding a, a physician's propensity to do something that may not help, right? I mean, we can use back surgery as an example, you know, we, we in this country do a tremendous amount of back surgery, tremendous amount. That's not to say that back surgery doesn't help people. I'll be candid with you. My dad had back surgery, could barely walk and swing golf club before back surgery, and has been great since, but what we know, and we've known for a long time is probably about 50% of back surgery is unnecessary, right? It doesn't help one and two, it actually creates, it, it, it increases patients' risk for needing future back surgeries down the road. So for us, what we're interested in doing is, is, is looking at the universe of decisions around back surgery that physicians make, right? And understanding is their propensity to recommend back surgery higher than their peers? Their propensity to do the things that actually help create value, make patients better weight management, behavioral health optimization, comorbidity management, all the things we know to be really high value but are really hard. Are they doing those things or just rushing to surgery?
0: You know, and I'll, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that's an issue that, that we're facing in, in my system is the utilization of, of pre-optimization of your patients. Because, you know, and, and, and you've hit the nail on the head, there are some physicians that go straight to surgery. You know, they're going to go straight to it, but others are trying to, you know, optimize that patient's outcome. Whether it be through, as you said, weight management, diabetic management, smoking cessation, behavioral modification, whatever, you know, and and we found that the pre you know, pre-optimization is, uh, you know, it, it's a tremendous benefit to the patient, not only from long-term outcome, but but short-term as well. You know, fewer fewer infections, you know, quicker recovery time, and all of that.
1: Completely agree, and and. And there's a significant proportion of those people who actually won't need surgery. Right. Right. I mean, you know, there's a, there's this idea here that, you know, but not an idea. There's a fact that a third of uh, thirty cents on the healthcare dollar that we spend is waste. Sure. Right. And I believe and that by definition, inappropriate care, overutilization is poor quality care. Right. Mm-hmm. Doing surgery on someone who could benefit from physical therapy and behavioral health optimization is poor quality care, right? And it adds excess cost to the system that everyone is feeling right now, employers, Medicare providers, the whole nine. So, you know, to us, there's an opportunity to shine a light on that, not just for primary care. Right. I mean, I think that we've been heavily focused on primary care and we've made strides in that space to date. But when we look at, um, accountability for specialists who drive, you know, two thirds of healthcare spend in this country, you know, it's been really lacking. So part of what we're trying to do is create this sense of accountability for high cost, high risk specialty care that's often lived out on an island, Um, you know, without anyone keeping score, anyone keeping track and candidly, no way for patients and or purchasers like employers to actually create networks of providers that deliver value.
0: Yeah. Well, Matt, I mean, don't you think a lot of physicians, you know, tend to go Uh, You know, they tend to go overboard because of, frankly, the you know the litigious society that we have, and and a lot of times they're covering their own backsides.
1: Yeah, you know, it's hard to separate these two topics. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, do I think that that uh, you know kind of this in air quotes defensive medicine plays into this concept of of overutilization? You know, unequivocally, the answer is yes. But, you know, Kevin, what we see over and over and over and over again is within every healthcare market, there's a tremendous amount of variation in what people are doing. Right. And generally the risk of malpractice litigation is driven by market. So, you know, what I would say, you know, my reaction to that is we're already have a natural experiment of providers behaving differently, doctors making different decisions for similar patients. Right. The question is, how do we get patients to doctors that are reliably making, you know, decisions that are more closely aligned with value, and how do we give feedback to those doctors who are not to to start to invite them to the table to say, hey, maybe there's a different way to do business, maybe there's a different way to to manage this problem that isn't just go straight to surgery.
0: Okay. Okay. So so let's talk about some of the employers that you work with. I know uh, I know you work with Walmart. Yep. Uh, and other large employers talk to me a little bit about how that's how that engagement works
1: yeah I mean we, we're really lucky to have you know um, mission aligned and you know highly supportive customers um, you know Walmart has been a champion in this space you know for quite some time uh, and a lot of the, the data the sort of like you know the, the essential data that many of us use, you know to build programs has come out of their center of excellence programs and other initiatives um, you know Walmart has been really clear that quality is their North star right their belief and it has been for quite some time is that if we get members their associates to the right doctors who have pa- exhibited patterns of decision making that are aligned with value they're going to get better outcomes and they're going to get lower costs and, and, and the way that we've done that is actually through a variety of different tactics. You know, on one hand, we make quality information available to their associates through technology, right? You know, essentially when, when Walmart associates and markets were in are looking for a doctor, they have the ability to use our tools, right? You know, our search tools. We've built a search engine that is engineered around quality. And then the second is they've built financial incentives around Driving people to the highest quality providers and away from the ones that actually are delivering care that's not aligned with value, Mm -hmm. right?
0: You know, well, I I know for the longest time they've been, yeah, and 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 rightfully so, direct contracting with centers of excellence and, and being willing to pay for travel costs to go to locations that have you know better outcomes and lower costs, and and you know. They had the, they had the 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 bandwidth to be able to do that, which is tremendous for their associates. You know they're getting great care, they're getting great you know uh, value for their care, and they're getting those lower costs that, that of course Walmart's looking for.
1: Yeah, you know it's it's interesting, Kevin. I think um, you know much of of the thesis, the hypothesis for what we're doing is is originates from there's the Walmart Center of Excellence programs, right? I mean, you know we've seen that. That 50% of people sent for spine surgery a CO, to a COE were turned around and told they don't need surgery. Right? That's where that that's where that, that 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 data point comes from. I think the question that we're trying to wrestle to ground is: Do you need to get on an airplane to get that type of care? Right? Because if you think about it, um, you know, while the program is generous and while the program is outstanding, you know, the question is: How how scalable is it? One to employers that aren't Walmart. And two, how patient-centered is it, right? My, my guess is, is that most of those people would much rather get care in their communities. Absolutely. right. So, so the, the question that we're answering is, is it possible to identify providers that are delivering the same experience that they would have in a center of excellence, but in their community, right? And what we've seen time and time and time again you know, with Walmart, with our other customers, is that in every community, there are doctors delivering outstanding care, mm-hmm. right? The trick is actually shining a light on those providers and helping people get to them.
0: Yeah. Right. Well, and I think another big part of what you have to do too is actually for for the employees, defining what excellent care is.
1: Totally, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And the question, and this is something, you know, candidly, that's been very hard, right? You know, how much to share, how little to share, how do you create an experience for, Someone who doesn't like you and I do think about these things, you know, 16 hours a day. Right. I mean, you know, that, this is not, um, the average American doesn't think about this, the average American candidly just doesn't just wants to be well taken care of. They want help. Right. And, and, and for us, you know, the, the question is really twofold. One is how do you build the analytics? You know, and measurement to be able to direct people to the providers that are delivering that outstanding care. But second, how do you make the intervention so easy, so approachable, so trustworthy and so natural that, that members don't even like, they don't even realize that, you know, they're, they're consuming information and behaving in a way that's desired. And and what's interesting is that we've seen this in, 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 you know, online consumerism, right? I mean, I'm, I, 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 You know, it always amazes me how many things I don't need. I buy on Amazon, right? And why do I buy them on Amazon? I buy them because Amazon has basically taken every barrier out of me making a purchase decision. They've made it so easy to do the thing that they want me to do that. Lo and behold, I do that thing repeatedly. Right. So the challenge for, for us in this world of finding doctors, is how do we create an experience for folks that is equally easy, right? And, and, I'll, and I'll share with you that, that, you know, that's what we're working on, right? We talk about, um, you know, we talk about AI, we talk about large language models, you know, we talk about ChatGPT. What I'll tell you is that, you know, one of the things that we're building is kind of a first in kind experience for people to be able to interact, you know, with a chat feature to ask questions bi-directionally to navigate them to the right provider, just like I do when people call me and ask, Hey, who should I see for this, this, or this problem, right? We have a problem with people feeling intimidated by the tools that we put at their fingertips. Our goal, quite honestly, is to, to, to reduce that level of intimidation and invite people to actually participate in this process in a way that they feel really comfortable and safe um, sure. And that with those analytics.
0: Yeah, and, and I'm glad you brought up AI because that that goes back to one of my original questions was, you know, what what my definition of a good doctor is is, is not my neighbors. And so there's got to be that interaction, you know, uh, based upon, you know, my, my answers because, okay, case in point, you know, if I'm looking for a primary care physician, I want somebody that's going to spend a lot of time with me, someone that's got a really, you know, Uh, gregarious personality like me who is accessible and all of that. Well, I will tell you, whenever I had my hip replaced 12 years ago, I was referred to an orthopedic surgeon. Terrible bedside manner, but a phenomenal surgeon and got great outcomes. You know what? I could care less about his bedside manner as long as I was, you know, was up and ambulating within a, a, a few hours after my surgery. So it's going to depend on what kind of physician I'm looking for.
1: Oh, Kevin, I, 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 love, I love that story because um, it's so true. Yeah. Right. All of us have different priorities for different care needs. Right. And, and, and many of us, um, you know, are looking for different things out of doctors for different reasons. And, and the challenge is, is, that the current tools and capabilities that are offered to folks again, with average health literacy don't allow for that. They just don't, right. They don't allow you to say, Hey, like, these are the, these are the characteristics of the experience that I want. You know, I want this type of provider. You know, I want someone who's LGBTQ competent. You know, I want someone who is, um, you know, within five miles of my house, but I want someone who, who is outstanding at managing behavioral health conditions because I have anxiety, and depression, right? All of those things, right? Like this, this experience that we're describing, you know, my belief is that that gets unlocked with interactivity, right? It gets unlocked with the ability to, you know, build tools and capabilities that, that candidly feel conversational and are conversational. But instead of having to have a call center with hundreds of people answering phones is actually driven by large language models and AI, right? Like that's where candidly we see the opportunity is engaging members on the front end to, to navigate them down a path to actually leverage the power of analytics we built. Right. It's, it's that gap that quite honestly, I think has plagued this whole space. And it's created a little bit of nihilism and apathy, right? Like what's interesting is that this feels like, um, the industry in some way has given up on this problem. Like this feels like an unsolvable problem, but, but I don't, we don't believe that, right? Like our belief is that not only is this a solvable problem, but we're solving the problem. Um, you know, and, and the goal ultimately is to make this type of experience, the expectation. As opposed to you just calling your neighbor and saying, Hey, I'm having back pain. Who should I see your neighbor saying, Oh, go see this neurosurgeon friend of mine. And lo and behold, you're on the operating table the next week. Well, you know, we, we don't really want you seeing that neurosurgeon until you've exhausted all those options. So, you know, maybe it's a primary care doc, maybe it's a physical medicine doc. Maybe it's a sports med doc that you're seeing. That's going to do all that stuff before you go down the road to, you know, a three-level fusion, which you may or may not need, which is going to set you up for additional fusions down the line.
0: Right, right. Well, hey, let's switch gears here. Let's talk about physician performance because, you know, I and and, hey, obviously you're a physician. I'm not, uh, but I deal with physicians all the time. And, you know, type A personalities for the most part, very competitive, but don't really like to be challenged oftentimes. So how do you get physicians to buy into your Analyzing their performance.
1: Yeah. So, Kevin, um, you know, we we uh, you know, it's it's interesting. I mean, as a as a as a doc, most of us were be- believe we're in the 95th percentile of everything. Um, you know, and and it is sobering sometimes to see that there are opportunities for improvement. Um, I'll tell you, you know, one of the things that we've committed ourselves to is transparency. Um, you know, I think there's a, a bias among, you know, physicians that, you know, the way that they get measured is like this black box and no one really understands it. And for that reason, it's, it's hard to think that it's, it's valid. It's face valid. We've actually taken the opposite approach. Um, and what I mean by that is that we're, we're very open book with our methodology to providers, to physicians, to the point where we've actually published it in the peer reviewed literature. Um, I will say the other thing that we've done is approach this task with humility. Right? Our belief is that being a doctor is really hard, right? Everyone who is a doctor wakes up in the morning and wants to take exceptional care of folks. Like that's what we believe. The challenge is they actually have no idea whether they're doing that or not. Right. And, and, you know, for us, the way that we've approached this problem is to say, Hey, look, you know, measuring what we're trying to measure is really hard. Like we can agree on that, you know, help us understand where you see opportunities for us to do this better. Right. And, 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 and it's remarkable how, how much engagement we've gotten from, from physicians helping us think through complex problems in this space right things that we're constantly trying to improve our measurement right like our our businesses asking of physicians to improve we actually in return want to improve too when we can right and and for us i think you know building these measures and having that level building these measures with physicians in mind one and having that level of humility has gotten us to a place where you know, look, we we still get the same, hey, these this this data is wrong, these aren't my patients, my patients are sicker and my practice is more complicated, right? All day. But once we once we get past that, you know, the richness of the conversations we've been able to have has been remarkable. So, you know, I think this is the hard work, Kevin, just to name it, right? You know, the hard work is building something, you know, for the most critical group out there. You know, it's the the group of docs that's actually being evaluated
0: right and, and I, I think you were following me around in my previous position uh, <laughs> I ran a physician network in an ACO yeah, and, yeah. And we were in an MSSP program yeah, sure. and anytime I had a physician who didn't get the bonus that they ex- they expected it was always my patients are sicker yeah. you know I, my demographic blah 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 I'm Like, no <laughs> we've got a pretty broad uh, pretty yeah. broad spectrum of providers here that, you know, their patients are just as sick as yours.
1: Yep. No, I think, and, and, you know, look, we've, we've built in our analytics, ways to adjust for social determinants of health, patient health, practice complexity, you know, all that stuff is in response to these type of feedback that we get from providers. So I think, you know, I mean, your, your, your point is spot on and, you know, at the end of the day, Um, you know, back to where we started around our goal, you know, our goal is to help patients make better choices about their providers. It's also to help providers make better choices about the care they're delivering, right? And the only way we're going to be able to do that is trust, right? Is to get confidence in in the credibility of our analytics. And that's been a, you know, a, a, you know, a cornerstone of what we're trying to do, you know, in the market.
0: Okay. Well, hey, Matt, I've really enjoyed this conversation. This is, you know, because anybody in healthcare, like you said, you know, even though I'm not a clinician at all, people come to me, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about this physician? And, and you know, like like we said, I can't, I, I, I'm telling somebody, hey, they're a great physician because I know them personally. I, I probably haven't seen them. I don't know what kind of care they deliver. So it's great to hear that you guys have developed a methodology to really, you know, quantify and qualify what actually is good care. And so, you know, thanks. This has been just a great conversation. Hey, so so my I don't care audience. If you want to hear more about Embold Health, really easy go to uh, inboldhealth.com they've got you know a wide variety of information on their website there's case studies they you know there's news articles about some of the clients that they've worked with you know and so matt any last words before we sign off today no kevin i want
1: to thank you and um you know echo your your sentiments i think um you know the time has come for for us to bring objective measurement into how we make really some of the most important choices we're ever going to have to make in our lives. So, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a
0: long journey and, you know, looking forward to seeing where it goes. Sounds great. Dr. Matt Resnick, Chief Medical Officer for Embold Health. Hey, Matt, thanks so much for joining me today on I Don't Care. And uh, so folks, we've wrapped up yet another episode of I Don't Care with me, Dr. Kevin Stevenson. Thanks for joining me and we'll see you next week.